You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. Welcome back to Ashburton. We're uh, about ready to start now. It's political commentary. With Mark Delder of Newsroom. Morena, Mark, how are you this morning? I'm good, how are you? Good, lots of, lots of politics to talk about this week. Uh, we'll have a bit of a chat about Waitangi and some of the impressions we've seen uh, on the ground this week. A wee bit about the government's response to some sort of public sentiments as well. But I want to start first with a, an interesting piece that you wrote for Newsroom that's kind of looking at a, an email that um, somehow Newsroom obtained that was from um, Clark of the House, David Wilson, uh, which was about budget cuts from the finance minister uh, to make savings of 6.5% from the 2024-2025 financial year. This, this is all kind of like, okay, big words, budget cuts, these are all things that may be um, kind of a bit opaque to come into from an outside perspective. What, what is the crux of what we're talking about here, Mark? Yeah, so uh, during the election campaign, National promised to, to look into 24 agencies and ask them to make cuts of about, uh, across the board, 6.5% in their in their what's called departmental output expenditure. But in other words, the sort of back office staff is, is the sort of, um, you know, colloquial term maybe yeah. for that. Now it seems that the government, uh, you know, the party, it, it's in power now and they maybe have a bigger hole to, to plug in and paying for those tax cuts with the foreign buyers tax being scrapped during the coalition negotiations. Mm. So they're looking much wider than they'd originally promised. It, it sounds like basically every agency, um, every department across government has gotten one of these letters from the finance minister, Nicola Willis, saying, can you make a 6.5% cut to basically mm. all of your spending? So not just the back office stuff, but, but front front office or, or you know yeah. um, capital expenditure that sort of thing too and so when we've seen um, Clark of the House, David Wilson, first of all, I'd be interested to hear what does that role actually mean? But he's well, the thing that's interesting that he said is he thinks it's going to limit the works of Parliament and he's also said that uh, that this kind of budget pressure has existed for a long time. So it's not like there is a big slush fund to kind of dip into here. Could you explain, first of all, what's his job? Why is it important he's saying this? And what does that actually mean, limit the works of Parliament? Yeah, so the Clerk of the House has a bunch of important roles in, in making kind of Parliament function. Um, he's sort of maybe the, the 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 judge of the rules of Parliament a, a little bit in that, you know, questions that, that uh, MPs are asking of ministers will be vetted by clerk staff to make sure that they follow the rules. Mm -hmm. if, if someone says something and it's unclear, you know, whether that's in order or not, the Speaker is ultimately the person who makes that decision, but he'll consult with the Clerk of the House who has this, you know, quite encyclopedic knowledge of the, the standing orders and the Speaker's rulings and, and so on. And so, um, you know, just a, a very basic role in making Parliament function. And the issue here is because these budget cuts have gone wider than expected, they're not just targeting agencies that maybe have grown quite a lot in the past few years. The clerk of the house or the office of the clerk, as well as the parliamentary service, which has also been targeted with these cuts, their their budgets are about the same when you account for inflation as they were in 2017. So making a cut actually cuts into their ability to provide services to MPs and make sure that our democracy is, is functioning. That's mm. at least what David Wilson is saying in this letter that he's worried that the executive can limit the work of the legislature just by cutting its budget. 
So this is one of those things where I think for some people it seems really straightforward, the kind of complexity of this, and then for others there's the added layer of is, is Parliament not just the MPs? Like all that slightly semantic difference that uh, feels very pedantic but does make a big um, impact on how you know the country runs, basically. Well, what are those major concerns that people are having, particularly about like limiting democracy? That seems scary when you say it like that. Yeah, uh, in theory, we have sort of three branches of government. We've got the judiciary, that's the courts, the judges. We've got the executive, that's the government, cabinet, ministers, and, and all of the agencies. And then we've got the legislature, which makes the laws, um, which, which, you know, uh, the courts then uh, uh, interpret and enforce, and, and the executive then implements. Because um, we've got our Westminster model, our our MPs also become ministers. There's a bit of a blur there, as opposed mm -hmm. to in the United States. But it, it's still an important constitutional principle that the, these are slightly separate bodies, and they play yeah. an important role in, in, in holding one another accountable. If the government can just cut Parliament's funding and therefore make it harder for the opposition to hold it to account, harder for the place to function. It, it, I mean, it lowers the quality of lawmaking even that the government wants to do, but but it also harms, you know, that, that delicate interplay of the legislature, the executive and the judiciary. So what kind of conversations do you think we're going to see come out of this, uh, I guess, when it starts to be something that's a bit more widely understood or a bit more widely felt? What do you reckon uh, we might see both from public and from experts in that sort of field as well, Mark. Yeah, so so experts have been quite concerned, I think, about the fact that these cuts are also going towards Parliament and also the courts. I, re I reported last week that the courts have also been asked to make that 6.5% cut, or at least the Ministry of Justice has. It administers the budget for the courts, and that's included in the baseline from, from what's supposed to be cut. Um, I think that the, the people will be concerned uh, uh, about it, but it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion that the government will go ahead with these cuts in these specific areas. Mm -hmm. the, the explanation from the finance minister has been basically she's asked everyone to explain what kind of savings they might be able to make and what impact that would have on their work. Um, and then ministers will get that information back and make decisions on it based on that. So if the clerk of the house writes back, hey, look, we actually are going to have to cut services and it's going to make parliament not function very well if we implement these cuts but here's what it would look like the government may well look at that and go okay but between the bad press we've already had and the bad press we'd get if we went ahead with with this or, or just on the principles mm. that we've been talking about you know uh, we we're just not going to do that yeah, it's going to be very interesting to follow that one. I'm sure we will come back to that. I want to get your impressions about what we saw at Waitangi this week. Huge groundswell of uh, people power, you could say, uh, I guess, showing up to stand firm behind Te Tiriti or Waitangi and, and let the government know how they feel about some of the discussion that's come out about the use of Te Reo Māori and the role of the principles of Te Tiriti. What's been your big takeaway from uh, what we've seen this week up at Waitangi? Yeah, I, I think um, one bit is you can see how the government is, you know, not fully in agreement on some of these issues. You know, the the speech that Christopher Luxon gave very different from from that which David Seymour or Winston Peters gave. Um, Luxon really not trying to wade too much into the treaty debate issues at all, um, but. Uh, 
which is, I think, a bit of a different tone than we saw last year, where Luxon really was trying to kind of um, explain and defend all of the decisions from his coalition partners mm. as well. This time he just said, hands off, they'll make their speeches, I'll speak to Nationals' perspective, which I think worked out better for him. Could he have been a bit more detailed in his view or Nationals' view of the treaty? Definitely, but, but better to be to not be saying anything maybe than to be defending a position you don't agree with or don't believe in. Absolutely. But he's also copped a bit of flack for, you know, using a bit of last year's homework, repeating quite a lot of the same content from his last speech at Waitangi. Do you have any thoughts on that, Mark? Has that struck you as weird or interesting or anything that's kind of stood out to you about that decision? Yeah, I think one thing that's worth noting is that the the, it was a relatively long speech, so the percentage of it, which has been maybe copied over from last year, isn't a huge percentage. But there are definitely lines that are basically verbatim taken from last year. I, I, it's hard to know exactly why that is. Luxon says it was intentional because he has the same messages about Nationals' aspirations for Māori this year as last year, and he expects he'll be using those lines again in the future. Maybe it's a sign that that you know his his staff and his speechwriters didn't pay as much attention or, or put as much effort into Waitangi as they might for, for other events, which would be, you know, um, concerning, if maybe not surprising. But it's hard to know what to make of it with just that information we've got. Mm. And just briefly before we let you go, Mark, we did hear uh, a little bit more distancing from the Prime Minister towards uh, particularly uh, the, this bill that um, David Seymour and the ACT Party want to bring through around defining the principles of Te uh, That was yesterday afternoon. What was your, I guess, big takeaway from that conversation? What does that mean, perhaps, for the direction we might see this take? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a you know notable shift where Luxon had previously said that that National had no intention of supporting the bill beyond the, the first reading, which they'd agreed to in, in the coalition agreement. That's different from saying we have an intention not to support the bill. Yesterday, he 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 came out and said, no, we're we are not supporting the bill. There's nothing I can really imagine that would make us support the bill beyond that first reading, and and sort of closes the door on the political future of that bill. It's it's strange that he did that yesterday on 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 Wednesday and not on Monday when he made his speech uh, at the you know Waitangi Treaty Grounds. It would have been a perfect opportunity to do that and to talk a bit more about the treaty and to maybe win over some of the some of the crowd by by you know um, kicking David Seymour's uh, uh, bill into the maybe dustbin of history you could say. Um, but uh, for whatever reason he, he he chose to keep that out of his Monday speech and, and reveal it on Wednesday and mm. only under questioning. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. Thank you so much, Mark. It's really great to wade through all these quite complex um, political goings on with you. We'll have you back uh, in a couple of weeks. Take care. Thanks. Thanks so much. And, and you as well. You just heard a bit of political commentary. That was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B-card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.